All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You got your boy Zage, of course, joined by a lovely guest, a very old friend, uh, a beautiful soul, someone who has blossomed into an amazing, like, inspiring person. I am very proud to call a friend. Uh, someone dear to my heart, Hannah Gray, is joining us today. Hello. I'm very flattered. Thank you. <laughs> In case you guys notice, like, a cut or anything, Hannah and I had this beautiful, lengthy conversation very intimate about her life and everything and unfortunately the technology overheated and we lost a big portion of what we recorded so i apologize if it sounds a little off or anything but we're gonna have at it hannah was also not born but grew up in delaware yes so if you could just introduce the people to like who you are where you're initially from how you got to delaware you know break down who's hannah yes so i was actually born in philly but i did live in wilmington until I was like six. And then my family moved to Belgium for three years. And then I came back in fourth grade. And that's when I met Xavier. Lit. Yes. Um, and then I've been here ever since. I go to school in Vermont. Um, I study history. Um, you know? I didn't even know that. Yeah. So we'll fill in the gaps. So yeah. why did you guys move to Belgium? Um, my dad worked for a... <clears throat> sorry. Like a biochem company that had an office out there. So we moved there. Fun fact, like almost as soon as we moved back to Delaware, they wanted to move him to Texas. But my mom was like, no. <laughs> Shit. Why? why? Yeah. For more business? That's what you said? Yeah. Oh, okay. What, uh, what does that even entail? Like what kind of science is that? Yeah. Well, he doesn't work for them anymore. Okay. Um, but it was like um, plastics, like bioplastics. It's technically polyolefins, which I've never understood. I, <laughs> I just thought know. it was like a funny word as a kid. Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. Do you have any memories of Belgium? Yes, I have some. Um, I was thinking about it. Actually, Xavier and I were just talking about like how long is a long drive, and I was talking with my mom about it. And people, like at least in Belgium, my mom would be like, oh talking about like, I don't know, Pittsburgh and here. She'd be like, it's like a six hour drive. It's not that long. <laughs> and French people would be like, what? That is extremely like a long time. Cause you can literally drive through like three countries in Europe. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Um, so, but then I was saying in the car, I was like, wow, I get like a little pang like every time I think about it. Cause I definitely miss it. And part of that just has to do with like being seven years old and like being seven years old and not knowing yeah, all the like bad having shit. Having like a childlike perspective <laughs> yes, on the world. Yeah, yes, it makes everything seem more yes. beautiful. But it was like, it was really amazing. Really good food. Um, beautiful city, Brussels. I honestly like have never been and I don't even, the only thing I know is the soccer team. So yeah. I don't even know anything. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Know KDB, yep. we love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great soccer team now. Truly. They yeah. weren't really that great when we lived there. I mean, they were fine, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, they weren't right. like, they weren't, they weren't even like in any of the World Cups when yeah. we lived there, so. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. And then moving to Delaware. Yes. Do you remember moving? Was it like an, was it a feeling of being uprooted because you've sort of had a life or were you still pretty young and it was sort of just like, we're moving again? Like I definitely felt kind of, I was, felt super uprooted, like the move from Delaware to Belgium because we have so much family here. Like all my cousins, not all my cousins, but like the cousins that I'm closest to, my aunts, my grandparents. So I remember being like very upset and then like getting used to Belgium and then moving back here. And I remember <laughs> when 
Um, so I do apply to like the gifted program. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and then like I think when I got in, I just remember crying and be like, "I'm not gifted. I don't want to be in the gifted program." Like <laughs> I just and I were just talking about the gifted program. <laughs> I swear they put that name on it, and everybody I would tell about it would be like, "Oh, you're in the special program." <laughs> everybody, and I was it's just like, "It's such a no. bullshit name." It's so because everybody you're like, "Oh, I'm in the gifted program." It does sound like, posh. It's so dumb, but yeah, and it was like really. Um, different to go because so my dad's job like paid for me and my sister to go to an international school which was like crazy you had like ambassadors children like very wealthy people from literally like hundreds of countries and then going to like Claymont Elementary <laughs> was like super like a cult I guess a culture shock Definitely. for me um, especially because so many of my memories of Delaware I was like very young and like you know, it was different for me. Oh, that's then, interesting. Yeah. I wish, I mean, not I wish, but it would have been interesting if you were a little bit older because then you could have really, like, reflected on, yeah. like, how it used to be and then you left for a few years and you came back. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And yeah. then, obviously, we were talking about short drives. Delaware is this, like, very close-sense yes. community world, you yes. know? Do you, like, recollect realizing that or is it something that maybe you kind of noted when you left Delaware like this sense of community and did it play a role in your childhood at all do you think I think it definitely did and I think it still continues to play a role just because like it's always a joke here that like you can't go anywhere without seeing somebody you know which is super true mm -hmm. um and although it's something that I always noticed I guess I don't know if I always notice it definitely noticed it now is like Belgium is kind of like the Delaware of Europe and that it's like super tiny and like on the way to other places. Although I would say that Belgium is probably like more of a destination than Delaware. Definitely. But, but that's a unique like yeah. analogy that I don't think a lot of people would make. <laughs> yeah. I do hear that. Like when you tell people you're from Delaware, they'd be like, oh, I drove through there. Yeah, I drove through there. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And it's like it's like close to Philly, not far from New York, not far from D.C. or Baltimore. So... You know, it's, like, kind of on the way somewhere else or, like, a very central location, I guess. But, totally. like, not necessarily, like, the first thing that people think of. Good thing you didn't move to Texas. I know. I think that would have been insane. That would have been <laughs> I think crazy. I would have freaked out. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. The people I know from Texas are different. Yeah. Different. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So then, moving forward, I was racking my brain trying to think of, like, memories of us growing up but unfortunately like I smoked too much weed in my lifetime <laughs> and I forgot like all of the memories but like I remember about Delaware like we had a very close group of friends and yeah. we like came up with them from that gifted program at yeah. such a young age all the way like to basically graduating high school do you consider that like a positive experience oh definitely I think I really have felt like, I've been so blessed with, like, friendships throughout my life. And it's something my mom has noticed, too. She's like, you, you've always had, like, such great friends. And I really believe that. And, like, I think that we, with our group of friends and, like, the trajectory we took through, like, the schools we went to, I think we were always, I don't know. Like, I felt like we were exposed to so much. And, like, we got to know so many different people, even if we still had, like, the same group of friends. Um... That's and yeah, they I think we were like, I think this is a great group of people, like really supportive. And I remember like going through like really tough shit with like my mental illness and 
Um, just like I've never felt like I was being rejected. I always felt really supported by everybody. Um, and yeah, I'm, I would not, I would not trade it for anything. And you're still kind of friends with those people today, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Anybody me I meet in LA, like they're not friends with anybody they knew in middle school. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that shit yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. So I feel very grateful to have had those opportunities. Yeah. And we are also, before we got on talking about hanging out in Wiznat's basement. Yes. Wiznat, the local legend. <laughs> Nobody will know his roots like we do. <laughs> True. <laughs> Watching True. 127 hours yes. in his basement uh. along with plenty of other ridiculous movies yes um that just oh the scooby-doo scene the scooby-doo scene in that movie yes <laughs> I, I remember i've been kind of scared of the scooby-doo i was scared movie. i was like yo Maybe it was you. They, they just brought this scooby-doo yeah, out of nowhere that was freaky and i only know that because when i was browsing on facebook today i literally commented on your facebook something about like scooby-doo and i was like <laughs> what the hell am i talking about and then i remember this in that movie those are yeah my time hop every day really humbles me time hop <laughs> i had to get off because it was making me painfully cringe yeah like, no my friend had to do she was like why did you tell me to download this <laughs> it's like uncomfortable sometimes um and if there's anything i can remember about hanging out with you when we were younger it's that you were like the funniest person around i know that's like a weird compliment to give but i swear like you had this like natural sense of comedy that like you just had me bagging up we could not be in class together because you would bag me up too much did you like ever utilize your sense of comedy to like progress yourself or like make friends or anything did, were you aware of your comedy at all i like don't i used to be so shy as a kid like would hide behind my mom's leg i can't like, even picture that i know and i would get like the comments from teachers like she needs to talk more in class which is like crazy because i don't know when or why but at some point i was just like whatever, I'm going to, like, talk a lot. Flip that switch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I do think, like, now I I try to use that to, like, alleviate situations and, like, make connections with people. Um, and, yes, I think I definitely use it um, to make friends and, like, especially, like, comforting people, I think it can be a really helpful thing. Definitely. Um, Laughter yeah. is the best medicine. Laughter really is the best medicine. And then when did you get into memes? Because anybody that I <laughs> anybody that I told was coming that I was like, yeah, I'm about to do this thing with Hannah. They were like, dude, her Twitter page is the best. <laughs> they love the Hannah Gray and the oh memes. Oh my god. When do you think you got into memes? And like, why do, <sighs> memes don't humor me? <laughs> yeah. I'll admit. Like, I miss the wave. And some of my best friends are, like, actually addicted to being a part of, like, meme communities. Yeah. So I don't get the culture. Could you please yes. express to me, like, the value in it? Okay, so this is super embarrassing. But in, no, like, sixth grade or seventh grade, I remember um, making rage comics. Mm. <laughs> Specifically with Britney Stinson. For Reddit. Yes, for Reddit. Yeah. Who's literally, like, a scientific genius. Goes to, like, Stanford. Literal genius. They and in, like, seventh grade it. art class, we would, like, make rage comics together. <laughs> that was <laughs> you? horrible. That was the beginning of the memes? For me, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And then, like, I guess just, like... Being on Twitter and, like, Tumblr and, I guess, later Instagram. Um, but I was thinking yesterday, I was, like, people can't... I just remember people's, like, Tinder bios or Instagram bios being, like, meme lover. And, like, I feel like you can't say that anymore because it's, like, everybody sees memes now, you know? It's, like, not that hard to seek them out. Definitely. And some people definitely do, like, base their personality on memes, which probably I do. No, you don't. <laughs> I know the people you're talking about, and, yeah. and no, you don't. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it probably, like, internet exposure 
definitely like Reddit, which is insane to me, and Tumblr and Twitter. It has um, truly changed, though. That's an interesting observation you've made. Like, what used to be a very niche group of yeah. people is now like the entire world. Exactly. Like my parents, they'd be yeah, like, exactly. "Meme this. Have you seen this meme?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Bro, you gotta chill." <laughs> I remember only a few years ago, my mother being like, "Have you seen these memes?" Yes. <laughs> yes. That was another thing I used to call them memes. And then I was in French class, and the word for same in French is "mem" with like a little accent, but it looks like meme. Yeah. And I would like laugh so hard every time. I was like, "Meme." <laughs> 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 Like, that would be like why you and why would hit it off. I would think you must yeah. have got into like the internet at the same time. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and yeah. then I'm trying to imagine there was just like this evolution of everybody's friendships where we were all just like hanging out every weekend. And, yeah. And I think it really like yeah. Those are the mems. Talk those about are the mems. mems. Um. Aww. So, in high school. Yes. I don't know if I recall focusing on this because you know pretty like especially in high school i was very like self-centered but you started to definitely develop like these uh feelings of like advocation you know what i'm saying like yeah I, I definitely noticed you caring more about like definitely women's rights black rights starting to work with like special edge yeah. and stuff like that what um what inspired you to like to want to give back to everybody i mean it's pretty cool thank you yeah um I think, well, my brother, my older brother has autism. So, like, I was always exposed to, like, that aspect of social justice. Um, growing up, like, in that community, my parents working with um, Autism Delaware and, like, so always having that kind of perspective and knowing that, like, for certain groups of people, things aren't, there's, like, a different set of rules, a different set of expectations and norms and just, like, a different aspect of existence for different groups of people. Um, so I guess kind of just like subconsciously taking that in. Um, and I think actually like talking about me, well, I guess first like my parents are pretty progressive and they always have been. That's um, extremely important. Yes, it's it's really important. Um, and felt like I couldn't ask them a question or couldn't talk to them about anything, which I'm really grateful for. Um but another thing about the internet, actually, like, talking about memes is, like, also being on all those social media platforms was, like, being exposed to different points of view. Um, totally. And different news sources that weren't just, like, CBS, NBC, um, or, like, big newspapers, but, like, seeing stuff, like, on the ground and, like, being able to follow people on Twitter who provided all these different perspectives or were, like, you should read this book or you should listen to this or you should watch this. Um so I think that's actually, like, there's a lot to be said about being over-involved in social media, I think. But, yeah. like, that, I think, is a huge upside of it was, like, I was able to learn a lot from other people. Um, and that's, like, still, like, I think the biggest part of being an, quote, activist or an ally or in solidarity is just, like, listening to other perspectives and exposing yourself to stuff that you wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily just be, like, fed to you. So. I completely agree. This is, like, a... a an observation that should not be like undermined in any way. I hate to jump around, so I don't want to dive into it too much because I want to bring this up later in our conversation. Yeah. But in regards to what's going on right now, I think like what will cause the most change and the most equality ha will be like our society's uh, use of the internet. So like, just like you mm -hmm. said, so when you're younger and you're seeing black people, gay people, 
straight people, white people, Asian people, like literally every type of person has access to the internet. Yeah. When you start seeing that at a young age, you grow up alongside of it and you just see it as normal, you know, mm-hmm. and like, like multiple perspectives are coming your way and you can choose which one like feels important to you. Yeah. But with this like racism that's causing a lot of this stress in the world, mm-hmm. they like didn't have that. And I don't know. I think time is going to be the biggest helper. Yeah. I really think like time will help. And, and our generation is probably like the most open-minded so far. I think so. I hope to imagine that continuing to be the, the case, you know? Um, yeah. So, I keep saying so to transition. I apologize. I don't care. Thusly. <laughs> um, you also won an award in high school <laughs> because we were talking about like being an advocate and stuff yeah. for something about journalism. Yeah. Is that something that's an important like role in your life? I, yeah, it still is really important to me. I used to think that I wanted to be a journalist. I don't necessarily think I do anymore, but I'm still really passionate about like access to information, which is, that's what I wrote about in that essay um, to, I was discussing the importance of like transparent and accessible journalism, which I think is still a huge thing. And I actually just tweeted about this yesterday, like making fun of the New York Times, publishing all these articles about like, is this like a real democracy or is this a radical moment? And then they're like, you need to subscribe for like $10 a month to read this. And I'm like, okay, do you not see the irony in this situation? Like I, and like having to pay for like academic journals, I genuinely think that all of that stuff should be free. Um, and that's how I feel about journalism too. I think that news should be free. <laughs> I right? agree. Um, and actually, I now want to be a librarian. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful goal. But I feel like you could accomplish so much more outside of being a librarian. Well, it's like a, a stepping stone for me, I guess. Like okay. I'm really interested in like information, like the politics of information, I guess, which is like super related to librarianship. Um, but yeah, so I guess like kind of evolved past, not past, but like away from journalism as like a career or academic focus, but still definitely in that field of like information and access to information, which I think is another super connected to like the reason why social media is so important. And the reason why our generation is exposed to so much more is because of social media and not access to information. It's a lot of very overarching like points in that because yeah. it also has to do with like the privacy yeah. of our security. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what should really be private and public. Yeah. It's Ugh. a huge deal. It's insane. You mentioned briefly like you you had some issues with uh your mental illness in high school, right? Yes. What exactly about that experience like stood out to you and and what role do you think like your friends and family helped or played in helping you get through it, do you think? Yeah. I mean they played a huge role. I think I absolutely could not have done it without the support of my family and my friends who were really amazing. And I count myself really lucky because I know that there are so many people out there who struggle with depression or anxiety or any kind of mental illness who don't have that kind of support. Um, And I know I really wouldn't be where I am today without the friends and the family that I have, um, which is an amazing thing to be able to say. Um, and you advocate antidepressants, you said, right? Yeah. I think that I think everybody has to find a solution that works for them. I know some people who have tried like five different prescription drugs and nothing has helped. Um, fortunately, I've been able... I'm, I'm on the second like different 
antidepressant and this one seems to be working better for me. Um, I know people who like the first one they tried, it was great and they've been on it forever. Um, I feel like that's pretty lucky. That is really lucky. Because from what I've heard, it's pretty hard to like find out what actually works for you. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. And like you think like how different everybody's body is just like on the outside. Like think about how different our body chemistry is on the inside. Like it's crazy to think about that. And like what works for one person is really not going to work for another person. And um, some people have had really good luck with like shrooms. (laughs) And some people just like go to therapy and like that's what they need. So. It is really, like, trial and error, and also it's totally not, like, an umbrella solution. Um, Yeah, what works for one person isn't going to work for another person. And do you think your experience, like, dealing with mental health issues has allowed you to connect better with other people who may have experienced the same thing? Oh, definitely. (laughs) One thing about the school I go to um, is that, like, almost everybody is mentally ill. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like nice in a way but it's also generational too it is also i mean i also like not to be a conspiracy theorist but like obviously the pharmaceutical industry has like some stake in this kind of thing and like i do also think that just like the amount that our generation has grown up like the amount of information and stimulation and like all of that that our generation has taken in basically since we were born and it's like even truer for like the TikTok generation Mm, mm -hmm. is like insane. The amount of stuff that we process every day. I think that has a huge amount to do with like the way our brains are wired. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a neuroscientist or anything, but, but the dopamine rush, this got lost in our, but I swear like, uh, our society is so like involved in trying to get that dopamine hitting likes on, on yeah. posts and stuff like that. And it's so much easier to like compare yourself to other people with social media and compare like where you're at in your life to where other people are at. Um, it's a huge contributor to like anxiety, especially. Definitely. Um, yeah. Imagine being born in a world where like from the moment you can compare yourself to others. Yeah. You're comparing yourself to everybody in the whole world. Exactly. Like, that's it's crazy. Got to be really fucking hard on it's your head. It's crazy. Yeah, it and is. It's crazy. Like, I think it's like something that is insanely difficult to process too because like we don't we don't know what it was like to like grow up even like 20 years ago. Um I think the rate of change has oh, it, increased exponentially as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so fast. I, something to attest to it is honestly this corona world we're living in. Like, yeah. you mentioned this to me before we started. You saw a tweet that was like, uh, uh, oh, oh, the Tiger, Tiger King. King. Yeah. yeah. Tiger King quarantine feels like another lifetime. Yeah. Cause it does. I it never really watched does. that, by the way. I never watched it. We ain't mainstream like that. Yeah, we I don't know. ride for I that shit. <laughs> Miss me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been rewatching Degrassi. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Dude. Yeah. Drake's. Yes, those episodes. So good. Glowed up. He really has. It's every time I've been watching it with my friend over one of those, like, first of all, all the episodes are on YouTube for free. That's crazy. But we've been watching it over one of those, like, things where you can chat while you're watching the same video. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I expect that to be much more mainstream pretty soon. I hope so. I'm surprised Netflix and Hulu haven't already integrated that. Well, there's one, there's like an extension for Chrome for Netflix, but it sucks and it never works really. Um. (laughs) They actually, um, they did this before. Yeah? Yeah. On, on, this sounds crazy, I know. But on, like, the Wii, 
or the <gasps> Xbox 360. Oh my god. They definitely had a functionality where you would like have an avatar in a movie theater and you and your friends would log in and watch right. the movie together. That's amazing. It must have just been way ahead of its time. Yeah, that is ahead of its time. Yeah. Damn. That just reminded me of that. I completely Damn. forgot. Damn. That's crazy. Um, I love that. I mean, yes. But every time Drake comes on, we're like, I can't believe that's Drake. Dude, it's insane. <laughs> my dude's been on camera for decades. Decades. And, and uh, is truly shown that he can evolve. He, I, yeah. It's an, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm like, maybe he should just stuck to act. <laughs> yeah. You think? No. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, maybe. Drake's like the, one of the greatest artists of all time right now. Uh, he is. It's insane to think how successful he's been. I'm like not a, I'm not a huge fan. But no? No. I'm, a, I'm not a like... Drake as a businessman fan, yeah. but Drake as an artist, I get down. His first two albums were really good. You like that soft boy shit? No. Okay, you know his first album, he was doing music with like Leaky Lee and like weird indie shit? I really liked that. I do kind of know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like 2009. That's because something I can note about Drake is that he's really good at riding the wave. And I know that doesn't sound yeah. like a flex, but he does it in a really tasteful way where like whatever is like on the the verge of becoming yeah. the main thing, he's going to take really it to the That's a really good point. That's yeah. like my favorite artist, Charlie XCX. Wow. <laughs> She's so good at that. Shout out. She like knows like six months or like a year ahead of time, like what's going to be the thing. It's a massive she, skill to have. It's ins- Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, do you think that your mental illness played a role in you leaving college quickly after arriving? Oh, for sure. I was like in the pits um, in the pits. I was in the pits. It was really bad. First of all, I was in a room that was like supposed to be a double, like in size, but it was a triple. So like that already sucked. That's ass. So bad. I'm- I was on like the top bunk, cinder block dorm, tiny window. Honestly, horrible. My like biggest memories of that was just like, first of all, injuring myself every time I tried to get down from the top <laughs> bunk. Second of all, I would like go to like the little mini mart like once a day buy like a bag of those snap pea crisps you know what I'm talking about that would be like the thing I ate for the day I was watching always sunny all the time on when it was still on Netflix wow. and like I had run out of episodes but I didn't realize that that so like when it went back to the beginning I just sat in bed for like 10 minutes like staring at the ceiling I was like I have nothing to live for it's one of the worst feelings to finish so up a show sad and like without even knowing it yeah Ugh. Also, can they please put it back on Netflix? That's a new thing? age problem. Yeah, like isn't it? Crushing an entire series yeah. in, in a month or less yeah. and then having nothing to do with your life. Exactly. And I'm also so like finicky about like what I commit to watch. When people are like, oh, you should watch this show and it has like seven seasons with 20 episodes. I'm like, I no can't time. do that. Yeah. No. no time Except for, for Degrassi. People who tell me that I need to start watching Game of Thrones Oh, Die. don't, because the ending sucks, too. <laughs> Just leave me alone. So bad. It's if I could go old. back and change one thing about my life, it would be never to have started Game of Thrones. <laughs> Damn! Because I read all the books, That's too. serious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you also mentioned previously that it just wasn't the right vibe, right? Yeah, it so, was— su- Yeah. Tell me about that, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I was like, I want to be a journalist, like Washington Post, or I want to be a press secretary for, like, a senator, because I would, like— whatever. I was like, oh, I'm good at writing emails, (laughs) which I still am, not to flex, but, um, and I was like, this is perfect. I'm in Washington, D.C. They're always like, yeah, you can intern with all these senators or like news outlets or whatever. I was like, I'm in the perfect place. I hated it when I got there. It was just a bunch of like, obviously there are lots of great people that go to that school. And I know a lot of great people that go to that school, but I just like the overarching vibe was very much like, 
I'm here to as a stepping stone to my career, which is like a totally valid thing. But I was like, I guess I'm more into like kind of exploring my interests and like digging into what I'm interested in rather than like a pre-job kind of thing. Um, Lots of people who are like, want to be bankers, want to be senators, want to be whatever they can do to be in politics. And also just like, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to go into politics well, actually, <laughs> no, but like, it depends on your reason. Cause obviously there's so many people in politics that are in it just cause they get attention for it or whatever. Hopefully um, that shit stops. I really hope so too. Um, so I was like, this is just not my vibe. Didn't really like the campus that much. And like my mom, like the summer before she was, or she was like in retrospect, like you just did not seem excited about her and like, it didn't really seem like a good fit, but we wanted to support you. And yeah. So is everybody pretty comfortable with you coming back? I mean, it was a huge conversation to have. And like, I also had to make the decision was like, am I going to ride it out and be miserable? Or am I going to, I felt like I was giving up in a way. Um, But I mean, part of it was just like the economic reality, which was like, if I left before, I think like the end of like the ad drop period or whatever, like we would get like the money back for for, like the classes. So it was quick. So it was quick. I was like, okay, that's a huge amount of money. Like I'll come home and I'll figure my shit out. Um, So I came home. I was was that like trying to, I mean, I know it doesn't, I don't know if this is how it feels in hindsight or even if it felt like this at the time, but were you like, almost trying to convince yourself that it was time to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's got to be really hard to like, you've been at your house for your entire life yeah. with your family that's very close. Yeah. You finally move out, you yeah. get this freedom and it just like hits you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you have to like come to terms with the fact that this isn't where you're meant to be. Like, was that difficult? Yeah. I mean, I think that was a huge part of like the anxiety that I was feeling, like feeling like I was giving up on myself or I was disappointing other people or I was just like, not like I should have just like bucked up and like gone through it. Um, but and I think that also too is like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be so excited right now. Like I'm a freshman in college. Like this is so fun. And I was like, oh my God, I am so miserable. Yeah. Like it was a super, yeah, it was super difficult. Definitely. Um, and like having to go home and like I was super embarrassed about that. And like I had to, like, explain it to some people because, again, we were in Delaware. Like, I remember going to get, like, ice cream somewhere and seeing, like, my piano teacher who I had just said goodbye to and she was like, what are you doing Mm -hmm. here? Just, like, stuff like that. That's got to be tough to explain. Yeah. But also not. Yeah. I was like, I hated it. So here I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went and it didn't work out. But at the same time, it was, like, a whole thing. Yeah. And it's, like, one of the reasons, like, my best friend, um, Gabriella, <laughs> Shout out. she um, like went through a really similar thing and I met her at Bennington or actually like in one of those like Facebook groups, like admitted students Facebook groups because she like went through the exact same thing, went to a school in a big city, hated it, left before the semester ended. So we were like already really bonded by that experience. <laughs> um, but I think it is something that's like more common than I want, that I realized at that moment and like a lot of people do, like, wait till the end of the first year to transfer, but, like, it's, like, a pretty significant number of people who don't finish college where they started college. I, I as a transfer myself, yeah. I realize that as well. Yeah. They never tell you that. No. When you're applying no, to colleges they never tell in high school. That. They never tell you, like, 
it's totally fine for you to go to a different school. Like, yeah. Or like, they don't prepare you at all. No. I, I don't even want to oh, We were get into so it. horribly prepared. It, it's a crazy <laughs> education system yeah. our country has. I hope that something happens in the future Me that too. solves it. But I'm not the guy. Just start all over again. Dead ass. Why it's on that wave. Why it's on like, this is time for complete anarchy. Like we should burn it all down and start over. Yeah. 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 Uh, I agree. So agree, we'll see. Wyatt. We'll see about that. We can definitely talk more about that. <laughs> um, when you came home for the year, did you stay back with your parents? Yes. Was that experience bonding for everybody or was it a little bit harder because you had left and now you were coming back? Like you had the sense of freedom and now you're back on your parents' roof. Yeah, that? definitely that. Um, but also just like feeling like most of my friends were at school and I was like, oh, I'm not <laughs> at school. And, like, I still had some friends that were, like, you know, a grade below me that I would see. But at the same time, it's like I'm really depressed and also, like, embarrassed that I'm home. So I don't really want to see people. Um, what do you think you focused on during that time? I focused a lot on, like, I went to therapy, figuring out, like, my health, my mental health. I was working at a pet store. Um, oh, yeah, you said. <laughs> just, like... Trying to keep myself busy, but also figuring out what I really wanted, I guess, was a huge thing, too. I was reapplying to schools, um, definitely with a different lens of, like, what made more sense for me as a human being, which was, like, definitely a smaller school. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of, like, self-searching, which sounds corny. No, but that's exactly what a person should do in that time, I feel like. Yeah. I honestly feel like... That's what you would have done if you were at school anyway. So right. Without the like burden of homework, yeah. social pressures, and all this other shit, yeah. it probably was a really helpful time for you to like focus yeah. on yourself. I'm so glad that I did it. I don't know what like what I would have done if I had decided to stay there. I think I probably would have like failed all my classes <laughs> or like it would have been a wash anyway. That happens to people. Yeah. They, like, oh yeah. Go to school and they don't fit in, and instead of leaving, they try to make it happen. Yeah. And they tank their academic I'm career. I'm really glad that I left that's interesting uh, um and reapplied and then um yeah i i in the previous version of our podcast <laughs> you had so much praise for your parents yes um, i would love to set you up in a way like you know have you and your parents always been as tight throughout like your entire childhood and and you mentioned that you're a younger sister to an older brother and an older sister yes you know what what was that like being the baby yeah um, definitely the baby. Still am the baby. Always um, the baby. Always the baby. It's inevitable. Um, I've always felt definitely really close with my mom. Have gotten closer with my dad in, like, the past couple years. I just, as a child, really did not like men. Like, as a little baby, I would cry if I was being held by a man. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? Um, but, no, I feel, like, a lot closer to both my parents now. Partially probably because it's only me in the house now with them. Um, but yeah, pretty tight as a family. Used to not get along with my sister. Mm. Um, yeah, we Classic had Classic sibling rivalry. Right? We yeah. had beef. Beef. Um, and didn't really get better until she went to school. So like, basically when we weren't living with each other anymore, which kind of makes sense. Total sense. Because we were always stepping on each other's toes. And I think that's I a annoying. super common yeah. younger sibling thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and yeah, my older brother, Ian, he has autism. So, um, that definitely informed the way that I grew up and, um, the relationship with my family. And I think like the closeness of my family and moving and then moving back, like 
kind of having a lot of inconsistencies in my life, but like my parents were always a consistency, especially my mom. So I think that has definitely shaped our relationship. Do you think you put a lot of value on like a sense of community and and family and friendship? Because I mean, obviously you do, but can you express like, I'm not sure exactly what my question is, but it's clear to me that you value those things because you said like through your mental health, what got you through is your friends. And you know, the only trying to think of what my question is, but like, why do you think community and friendship are so valuable? Yeah, I think, and I think like this applies to me, like on a more personal, like my friendships, my family scale. I think part of it is just like, I always grew up near my family and like I get along with both sides of my family, which is, I know not necessarily common. Definitely not. Um, which is really nice. And both of my parents were like one of many siblings. So I have tons of cousins and it was always just like a thing to, to hang out with my family, visit my family, stay in touch with my family. And then I just have had like the most incredible friendships in my life. I don't want to sound like, I don't know, like chicken soup right now, (laughs) but, um, like I can't imagine my life without these friends I've had. And like, even if we're not as tight as we used to be, like, I don't really, like, regret any friendships that, well, that's not true, (laughs) but, like, for the most part, like, I don't know, like, what are we if we're not, like, if we don't, like, have people we love, people we hang out with, and I think that, like, that is our, I think that is a really big shift in, like, more of, like, the wide-scale world that's going on, is people are realizing that, like, being so individualistic and only caring about yourself is, like, not good and it's like something that we're taught is good and especially in this country and I think that people are realizing that like our communities our friends our family our neighbors like that's like the most important thing that you can cultivate and take care of um yeah who else will share your legacy if not those around you you exactly what's the point in life if you're not like enjoying it with other people completely Therefore, you had to get out of this terrible (laughs) Washington, D.C. area. And you finally were able to find a place where you think you fit in beautifully. Can you talk about realizing? Because I'm sure that when you first got to Birmingham. Birmingham? Beddington. Beddington? Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. When you first got to Beddington, I'm sure there was this feeling of like, God, I hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. God, I hope I don't pull up here and I don't fit in and I got to come home again. Like, that shit would be very intimidating, I feel like. So, can you talk about like what it was like seeing that you fit in, like finding a place where you think, obviously it's not perfect, but finding a place where nothing's perfect. Yeah. But finding a place where- That was where, a big realization too. Yeah. Where, where it's good enough, you know, like where you're happy. You know? Yeah. I think definitely was a huge thing on my mind, putting a lot of pressure on myself um, to make this work. And like the first month I was there, I was like having the time of my life, met my best friend who's still my best friend. Um Felt, like, really good about my classes, about the people, about the campus. It's so beautiful. Come visit me. (laughs) Um, Just, like, feeling really good. And then, like, I hit, like, the end of, like, September. And I, like, just, like, had the same thing. I was like, oh, my God. I feel, like, really depressed and really anxious. And um, I don't know. Putting, again, like, feeling that pressure again of, like, oh, my God. Like, I did it again. I'm going to have to go home. Like, maybe college isn't for me. And I was just, like, really struggling um, again. And I was, it was really shitty. Um, But I, again, like, what got me through was 
not only like a belief in myself, which I think now having gone through that experience twice, I feel way more confident in my ability to handle like rough periods of my life. Um, That's a huge skill. Yeah. Yeah. Just like knowing that I can do it, I think. But my friends there, my friends here, um, my, my parents, my family, and like the staff there and the faculty there are really supportive, partly because it's such a small school that like everybody knows everybody. Mm. Um, do you appreciate that? In, in many ways, yes. I wish it were a little bigger. It's literally like 800 people, which is mm. in, it's smaller it's than the high school we went to. Yes. Um, so in some ways, it's like really annoying to like feel so visible and like other people are so visible all the time. But at the same time, like in those kinds of situations, I did feel like I was like, I wasn't going to slip through the cracks or anything. Um, and that. and yeah. That's good. That's yeah. actually a nice way to look at it. And then like switched my meds, see the best therapist in the world. I have to like every session I have to struggle to not say like, I love you so much. Like I'm like, that's not appropriate, Hannah. <laughs> um, but but, <laughs> but it's actually really important to like, have a relationship with someone that's looking after your mental health. Like, yeah. Like that's, oh, yeah. It's good to value them. Yeah. Because a lot of people get stuck in situations where they're just like seeing their school therapist. Yeah. Who doesn't care. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so important. It can make a huge difference. It's the same thing with medicine. You kind of have to like shop for the right therapist. Seriously. Too. Yeah. I was actually going to try and say the same thing. Yeah. But that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah. Did you continue to study history? Were you studying history at Washington? I wanted to, I went in there. I don't even remember like what I declared like my area of study as. I think it was like languages and something, but I wanted to do journalism. Right. And then at Bennington, I came in intending to do like history, literature and history. And then at some point I was like, okay, I want to do more history kind of thing. So at what point do you recall sort of realizing that you weren't straight? Because yes. at some point in your time, you came out <laughs> as a bisexual. Yes. And I'm sure that that was a process, both internally and externally. Yeah. So if you could please just express, like, what that was like. Honestly, my first question is, like, was it something that you always kind of felt like? Or was it something that you were like, oh, wait, like, this is a little different, you know? Yeah. Kind of both. Yeah. It's another thing where you have, like, retrospect. You're like, oh. Like, the other day I found this journal I kept— in 2007. So I was like nine, almost 10 years old. And I just had so many pictures of Kira Knightley in it. <laughs> and my, when I told my mom, she was like, oh, I'm not surprised because I just like really liked women a lot. I mean, I like men too. I like everybody, people who aren't either, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Some people are just hot. So yeah. 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 Um, I think you appreciate the physical beauty of humans. Yes. I, I really think you do. Yeah. Yes. I just love sexy people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did notice at some point I was like, oh, like, you just like realize more. It's like at some point you're like, I mean, like the normal is to be straight. So you're not really thinking like, I'm like, oh, I just like Kira Knightley because I want to look like her. Or I just think she's really cool. I'm like, no, I have a big gay crush on Kira <laughs> Knightley, which I still do. Um, I don't even know Kira Knightley. Tell me who she is. Kira Knightley. She's in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. She's not really my favorite. What? Okay, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah, you know, whatever. And then, okay, the pop culture thing. I don't know if that got cut out or not. Like my... Tell me. Yeah, okay. Um, I watched music videos all the time as a oh, child. Yeah, yeah. Like those like VH1, MTV countdowns, eyes glued to the screen. And I have to think that part of it was because like all the hot women and hot people that were in those music videos... 
And I was just like, hi, I remember loving Rihanna so much. I was about to say Nicki Minaj. I distinctly remember I you loving love Nicki, Nicki Minaj. I still love yeah. Nicki Minaj. Ugh, my queen. I love Fucking her. Fucking Nicki. She's annoying. Shut up! She is I'll annoying. kill you. I'm a barb. <laughs> she could be hot, but. Ugh, but her mind. Her mind. You do appreciate her mind? Oh, I love her mind. Uh, I- we're going to have to differ you. on this I'll one. I'll kill you. <laughs> I remember going to bat for her, like, in middle school and high school. I remember that, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, I remember you having, like, almost, not an obsession, but, like, a true passion for I just love Nicki her. Minaj's <laughs> causes. That's so funny. Um, how was the general response from your friends and family? You said your mom was pretty accepting. Yeah. How was your dad, your siblings? Yeah. I mean, really accepting. I never thought that I would be, like, rejected or anything. Like, my godfather is gay. Like, oh. my parents, like very we have a lot of gay family friends always just like been exposed to gay people not straight people um for me I guess a lot of it and still a lot of it is like more internalized stuff like I don't know sometimes I guess I feel like it's still just a very like socially conditioned thing to like straight is the norm like man and woman is the norm so like that's still like I get caught up on that sometimes but um, another thing about Bennington is that, like, everybody is gay. <laughs> so, uh... That, I feel like that's common in liberal arts schools now. Yeah, exactly. So, it's just, like, it's so, like, normal there that I, like, kind of forget, forget it. It's, it's a, almost astounding to me, like, how beautiful it is that you not, like, actively put yourself... I'm trying to think of the wording. You, like, are a part of these niche cultures, mm-hmm. and you've been able to find, like beautiful places to fit in, even through yeah. these niche cultures. Like, yeah. I find that to be very helpful. I, I hope, is there any way you could, what advice could you give to someone who is in a niche situation that isn't able to like find a good sense of community yeah. to help them find that? I think it can be difficult. Um, a lot of people, like, I mean, I was really lucky that I got a second ch- I was lucky, first of all, that I even got to go to college because I know that's not a reality for a lot of people. That I got to try again because the first place I went, like, I just didn't feel, I don't know, I didn't like it, <laughs> which I discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fair. Yeah. How I, could you know for sure that this place that you only got to tour once or twice is going to be perfect right? for four years? Exactly. Yeah. You'll insane. never know. And, yeah. like, thinking about, like, people now, these kids that, like, a lot of them, like, have to commit to places without, like, ever going because of corona yeah. and like, oh my, it's crazy. I can't even imagine. Sorry to cut you off. Please no, continue. it's okay. No, but it's so true. Like, yeah. okay, I toured this place for like two hours. I'm like, yes, this is it. And they're all the same. Every tour. Oh. I went on 13 t- college tours. Yeah. They're, they're all, all the, the same. same. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All, I could say for a fact. Ugh. Um, so you were shining a light <laughs> on, on advice to people who might be stuck in shitty situations. Yes. I think one is if you have the internet, which I everybody listening to this does... Um, look for people who are like you. Like, I don't know. Try to follow people. Put yourself out there is a big one. Um, be open-minded. These are all, like, really, like, cliche ideas. But if they helped you, then I think they're important to mention. Yeah. And I think also, like, don't... Like, I think something that I've always... Like, I've... I've always had, like, different groups of friends, I guess, like, different interests. And, like, I think it's okay to have different people in your life. Um, hmm. I'm going to edit this part because mm. I need to think about what I'm saying. To provide you different perspectives? Yes. Yeah. I think you—I think it's important to have 
different people in your life that teach you different things, that you teach them different things. Like, I think... I think it's important to have like a really wide breadth of people that you spend a lot of time with. And also people that encourage growth. I feel like that's yes. what you're getting at. Yeah. Like yes. that's something that's huge to me. Like it, if the people that are closest to you in your life are not pushing you to grow, yeah. you need new people in your life. Yeah. I think so too. I think that's like hugely important. And I think unfortunately a lot of people are stuck in situations where they honestly like don't have people around them that can grow Yeah, and they can't get out of it. Yeah. And, oh, uh, for sure. That That's like, it's really hard to see, you know? It's, yeah. 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 Of course, because it's also scary to like realize that like maybe you need new friends or exactly. Like- Dude, <laughs> I, I like, I swear the amount of people that just stick in relationships because they yeah. are like, oh, it's easier and it, it's easier. it would be hard to break I don't up be and alone. find somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I swear, like more than half of relationships in our fucking world right now. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, People should just be single all the time, yeah. man. We should just yeah. live in like a world where marriage doesn't exist. <laughs> it's kind of well, how I feel. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> to an extreme. Um, yeah. So, you're at, oh, dude, I'm about to fuck it up. Beddington. You're at Beddington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Birmingham again. Yeah. You're at Beddington. Um, how did you find Beddington, actually? Yeah, I was looking at like small schools, East Coast, not super far away from Delaware, but ne- not necessarily like super close. Um, and I kind of narrowed it down. I visited Bennington. I really liked it. I mean, like, one of the main reasons I went there is because they gave me a big scholarship. For sure. So. That IB, you got diploma? Yes. Good for got you. Diploma. Thank IB you. diploma gets you in any school you want as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah. Got some credits. I'm sure it helped me get a scholarship. Um, so that was really good. I mean, a huge reason why I went there. Um, but yeah, I just, it felt different from the school I went to in DC, like in all the right ways, um, smaller, nice, beautiful nature. It's like right in the mountains. It's so beautiful. Um, it just hit different. It just hit different. It hit different. Um, and so I, I'm, and I'm curious. Still there, so. Yeah. You still there? Well, kind of, that's what I'm about to ask. Right, yeah. Uh, what was it like when the news broke about Corona while you were there? Yeah. What was your like immediate reaction? Well, so actually, the weekend before I, the weekend before shit hit the fan, so to speak, mm-hmm. I was in Boston visiting Delaney. Strange. Oh, shout out. Yeah. Supposedly an avid listener. Really? Hey, I'm misquoting, but when I first started the <laughs> podcast, I was, Delaney came to me and she's like, oh, I just heard this podcast. Like, and I was so surprised. Oh. Um, so shout out Delaney for yes, that. Yes. No, it was, it was really fun. And it being Boston, like a big city. Um, and it was like spring break for a lot of students there. So they were like traveling around the world and a lot of people were like, oh, I'm not going to go. And I remember being like, what? Like, you should just go. It's not that bad. Like, whatever. It's not that bad yet. You already paid, blah, blah, blah. And then just like within that like weekend, like five day news cycle going back on campus, I was like, oh, (laughs) like this is different. This is not just like previous kind of epidemics or pandemics. Do you remember like swine flu when we were in elementary school? Vaguely. Someone was right. talking to me about that as well as H1N1. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't remember. Yeah, I don't really remember. I remember yeah. it being like a big deal, but it's nothing like this. So then like getting back to school and then like seeing that, oh, okay, all these schools around the country are closing like, or they're doing like half virtual, half in person. And part of like, part of being at Bennington is like, it's pretty rural. It's a small school. So we're like, we feel kind of untouched by a lot of things. Um, but then there was somebody in Bennington County 
who was confirmed to have COVID. And then like within like a week, it was like, okay, we're closing. You got to go home. And just like the energy on campus was insane. Like people are obviously so sad, especially seniors. International students especially are like, what am I going to do? People's like entire like trajectories are screwed up by this. Like it was crazy. And I think like for me, I was like pretty prepared to for the worst, which sounds kind of bad, but um, (laughs) I like, I was kind of prepared for it to happen. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Like, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, no way we're closing. We're just going to like figure something out. Like they can't send us home um, or they should make it optional. And I was like, no, I don't like, I think that like, the reality is that we're going to like follow what all the other schools are doing or so else we'll be they like, were like freaks. in denial and you were in like acceptance. Of kind whatever. of. I mean, a, a lot of people were like expecting it to happen, but there was like de- definitely different reactions to like yeah. the situation. But I was like, I think we're going to go home. <laughs> I definitely didn't think we were going home. Yeah. One of my earliest memories of the situation was at work. One of my coworkers was like kind of in a mood and, and he was saying like, bro, they're going to, ca- they're going to close all the restaurants yeah. in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, no, no yeah. way, bro. That's crazy. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they just cut some of us, but that's like insane. Yeah. Within like two days, they were like yeah. closing restaurants and closing things. And I was like, yo, this is real. Yeah. And then uh, Wyatt was the one that was like, hey man, LA's probably going to hit the fan. Like we yeah. should go. Yeah. Um, so we came back. Yeah. How did your family feel about you coming back again? I know. What'd they think? They were, I mean, we always joke. They're like, I can't get rid of her. So I'm like, funny, I yeah. know. Because I, right, I had just been home in the winter for the internship. So I really was only at Bennington for like a month. Crazy. Yeah. Um, before being sent home. Um, for me, like, I just remember getting home. And as soon as I like parked in the driveway, I just like cried. Because I hadn't cried at all at school. I was just like, I was like, all right. Like, I, I can't really do anything about this. So I'm going to get through it and like try to like, just muscle through this uncomfortable situation. Um, but yeah, I remember just getting home and being like, this sucks so bad. So bad. it sucks. <laughs> it really is. And it's a really shitty situation. I mean, it's already a really shitty situation, but it, it's difficult even further because you can't really be like, this is shitty for me. You know what oh, I'm saying? It's like, so glo- it's glo- it's, it's literally so global. global. And no matter what, there's going to be somebody in a way worse situation than you. Exactly. Uh, and so it's hard in that situation to even allow yourself to be upset. Right. Which is even more upsetting. Right. It's, it's very difficult. It's super like intertwined. I've definitely been having a lot of that. It's like, well, it's what do I even meta. have to be sad about? Like, especially I think like being on campus, I was like, well, I'm not a senior. I have like a home to go home to. Like, but also at the same time trying to be like, this really sucks. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like telling yourself that your sadness isn't uh, valid is, yeah. is even more sad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, really crazy. It's crazy. Um, how has your perspective changed since? I think now is a good time to talk about it because right now specifically, I swear everybody just forgot about Corona. Like I, they're over it. Yeah. How do you I, feel about that? Yeah. I think, I think it's still like such a huge thing threat or issue because it is it's like the it's a virus it's a biological thing like it's not just going to go away because we don't want to deal with it anymore um and i think what's going on right now with um this this huge like burst in attention being paid to racial justice is i think you can't like look at Corona as like a separate situation from it because I think without quarantine and without, I think 
um, people who maybe were not as aware of like the injustices of just like American society before. I think like Corona really opened people's eyes up to that. How so? Um, I think, I mean, you see like these stories of like nurses and doctors literally wearing like trash bags because the government was not prepared for this. They like don't have enough protective equipment for people. Um, people like the economic response of the government of like giving people a set amount of money. If you look at like the difference in like Canada or like Germany where they're giving people like way more money because it's like people are literally out of work. Like they don't have a way to make money. Um, I think, yeah, I think that really just like illuminated a lot of the inequalities that were and like money being paid to like these huge businesses to like bail them out during the situation um I think people were and people are already just like the physical like situations that people are in they're like stuck in their houses they're on social media all the time they are just like paying more attention to the world around them I think had a huge impact on like the way that people who maybe wouldn't normally be so involved in like this movement for racial justice, Black Lives Matter, these protests, this activism, like I, I think that maybe it, it opened a door for people that wouldn't necessarily have been involved or as involved as they are to participate. Which I find both beneficial. I could talk about this topic all day. Yeah. But uh, which I find both beneficial and also negative because yes, we need as many eyes on this like horrible injustice as possible. Yeah but we don't need as many stupid people talking yeah. about it yeah. and sh- like bringing their opinions to light and shit. It's like, bro, you don't <laughs> even know what you're saying. You're yeah. just saying things. Yeah. And unfortunately it's like a tricky time with like people who actually care. And then people who are calling other people virtue yeah. signalers, right? Yeah. Was virtu- what's it called? Virtue? Yeah, virtue signaling. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you feel about this? It's like an unrest on the internet. Yeah. You know, like, how, how does that make you feel? You personally have been making phenomenal posts and Thank honestly, you. like, doing one of the better jobs of someone that I've seen on social media. Yeah. Um, so I think you have, like, a good idea of what's appropriate and what's not. Um, what has stood out to you as, like, wrong and, and what, you know, what's right? Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't, like, I'm not one to definitively say, which I think is a of huge course. thing, is, like... The biggest thing I think is to listen to to black people in this moment and to amplify their voices. Um, like a lot of what I've been trying to do is to share what other people are saying. Um, I think there's like, it is a really tricky, social media is always like a really weird liminal space to navigate because it's like, it is real life, but it's not real life. It's, and it's super weird. And everyone thinks that they're right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so some people are like, you know, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Or it's like, you have to say something like your silence is speaking volumes, which I think is true. But at the same time, it's like, I think there are some questions as white people or as non-black people that you should ask yourself before posting is like, are you posting this to seem like you care? Or are you posting this because you think that it's going to get important information out or actually like open people's eyes to a certain issue? Um, And, like, I think the biggest thing is to really, like, diversify your social media feed and, like, your real-life interactions. Like, be conscious of, like, who you're following and what perspectives you're interacting with and, like, 
try to boost those perspectives or those voices that often are put to the sidelines. And I guess like the biggest thing is to just listen to the people, like in this instance, listen to black people because they know the most about this situation. Educated black people. Yes. Well, yeah. Like never listen to anybody uneducated, no matter what color. Yeah. Right. Well, there's like this whole thing with like, um, do you know Sean King? I know of. Yeah. Like, countless like black women have come forward about him and like black activists have come forward about him like mismanaging funds and like silencing people's voices and he's just like kind of profiting off of black lives matter and like people still sharing his voice because he's like supposedly a representative of the community but like really like you need to follow more than one person mm-hmm. <laughs> um you need to validate your sources yes i'm a huge that's like that refers to like one of the first conversations we had like you shouldn't just be spewing information that you hear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think a terrible uh, problem in our society is that people will just, while we went through it initially, people were just spewing things that they saw online. Yeah. And so as a, as a, as a growing point, our society got to this point where we were like, oh, I believe this, this, this. And by the way, like, I'm not credible. Ha ha ha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you just throw something at the end of what you're saying. Right. To be like, oh, I just heard this somewhere. Yeah. But I don't, that to me... You should just be silent then. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you don't know for sure that what you're saying is valid, or I if agree. you're just spewing Sean King's voice yeah. after not after like not paying attention to these other people, like proving yeah. him wrong, you're ignorant. You're a part yeah. of the problem. Yeah, and like I think there's also a way to like use the platform you have and like whatever followers you have with like you can share a post. You can share a post and like not add any of your commentary. Like if you don't have anything really enlightening or beneficial to say, like. You don't have to say anything. And, like, think about the space that you're taking up or whatever. Like, ugh, the Blackout Tuesday posts that it was were, like— bad. That was stupid. Counterproductive. And, yeah. It, it literally was counterproductive, especially Super. people that were, like, hashtagging, like, Black Lives Matter. I'm like, okay, well, people are using this hashtag to, like, follow and get news and stuff. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, like, you know, no—you know, I just feel like uh, things need serious planning. Like yeah. any movement in any regard needs serious yeah. planning. And I know that that's like a distasteful thing to say right now because people are like, we've been planning for hundreds of years and nothing has come from it. And I, I am aware of that. But I think the Blackout Tuesday was an example of just like over eagerness. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think you have to look at who is like doing the planning. Like who started that? I don't even know who started that. Yeah. I don't like, yeah. I don't either. And people who I haven't talked to in years are coming off my timeline with this like black square. Yeah, exactly. Like, who, why, oh, why I know. John? And I'm like, okay, so what else are you doing? Yeah. It's not enough to just like do that. You're- don't just don't just talk about it. Be about it. That's exactly. Like something I stand by. Yes. And you shouldn't just say things that you don't actually mean either way. Like Exactly. Yeah. Um, something that I have been paying a little more attention to over the past few years and now obviously shined a huge light on in my life is like my white privilege. Yeah. And I think that's a very complex issue that a lot of people think they understand, but they truly don't. Yeah. What to you like is white privilege? I mean, I know it's super deep. Yeah, super Super, deep. Super, super deep. But also, like, really, you think about the, like, I guess something that I've been thinking about a lot and that's been, like, coming up a lot in, like, articles and tweets and everything is, like, there's a different set of rules for, like, white people and non-white people. And you look at, like, black people who have been murdered by police. It's, like, for what? Or murdered by white people, like Ahmaud Arbery. He was jogging. You and I can go for a jog in our neighborhood and, like, not expect to be murdered. It wouldn't even cross my mind. No. Or, like, 
George Floyd, like, had supposedly, it wasn't a counterfeit $20 bill. Like, I think if one of us had a $20 bill that was not actually a $20 bill, but it actually was a $20 bill, but shouldn't matter anyway. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't think, I wouldn't expect to be murdered over that, you know? Um, So I think that's a big thing. It's like, and it's uncomfortable to think about that you live a different life because of the color of your skin, but it's super true. And, like, it's just so far-reaching because it has been a system in this country for 400-plus years, ever since the first enslaved African was brought to Jamestown. Um, and it's it's really ingrained in our po- politics and our economy and our society. In um, the media. In the media. It's just, like, it's systemic, so it's everywhere. Um, and I think that's something that people, like, really don't get. They're like, well... I don't know. Like, something else. You're like, like, a white gay guy would be like, well, I'm gay. How can I have white privilege? It's like, the struggles you face are because you're gay, not because you're white. So, like, realizing that, it's like, what opportunities have you been afforded and what opportunities have been taken away from other people because of the color of their skin? Um, White privilege to me, and I think you're getting at it, is like, just literally being able to be ignorant to the fact that you've been privileged. Yes, you don't have to think about race. You, like, literally don't have to think about it. It's And, like, you couldn't... Like, having white privilege means that you truly don't even understand. Yes, because you, no. like... You yeah. can sit here and talk about it all day and be, like, you know, try to educate yourself, but, like, you can never relate. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, uh... You don't think about, like, your whiteness. Yeah. Because you don't have to. Because you don't have... You have the option to care. Yes. But if you want to dismantle it, you have to think about it. But we don't, like... We're not conditioned to from the day that we're born to, like, have to think about it. Which, yeah, I think that's really... That's a really I mentioned in, like, the... I did, like, a very small... Yeah, I listened. Slightly insignificant. But I just wanted to try and... I don't have a huge platform, but I wanted to help in any way that I thought was helpful. Um, But something that I mentioned and something that I've actually thought of a lot, like in my life, throughout my life, is like to be a black parent and to tell your kid that they're black and explain to them what that means. Like that, it gives me goosebumps to think about. It makes me want to cry. It's like the most sad thing ever. And um, I I don't think taking innocence away from a child is like acceptable or or, or should be necessary. Yeah. so I hope that if anything, from all of this insanity, yeah, we see like a spreading of new perspective. Yeah, I think a lot of people just lack perspective. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's so crazy. What do you think of these conspiracies that these cops are dropping off these bricks? Have you seen that? I have seen that. I, I mean, I believe anything. <laughs> Not okay. That sounded bad. Cut that out. <laughs> no, but um, I'm with you. Like, um, but I, like, when I hear shit like that. It's obvious. It's true. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. And you think about the way that, like, we, like, in our high school, our basically like our entire like education are taught to like put a lot of trust into the police or put a lot of trust into like the government, FBI, CIA, and then you look at all the shit that they've done, like literally sabotaging communities within this country and outside of this country. Shout out to Mr. Smith for teaching us about this uh, United Fruit coup in Guatemala. I don't even know. I think about that all the time. Tell me about it. Um, so in the 50s, um, the U.S. had... United Fruit Company was an American company that is now Chiquita, like Chiquita Bananas. And they had these giant plantations in Guatemala. And then when Guatemala democratically elected a socialist leader, 
he was, you know, redistributing the land of these plantations that were owned by, like, rich foreign Americans, um, making money off of basically slave labor and these giant plantations and, like, creating more, like, local farming for people that actually lived there. Um, And then the CIA sent in (laughs) troops to help overthrow the democratically elected leader of Guatemala and install a fascist dictator, which has happened multiple times. So it's like, I don't put anything past these, quote, trustworthy institutions because, of course, they want to sabotage the movement and make themselves look better. So, yes, in short, I do think that it's cops legit. have been putting bricks there. It's so bad. It's so bad. Joe Rogan was talking about cops dressing up in full cop gear, yeah. covering their faces, yeah. and just smashing businesses apart. You know, there's literally videos. Of yeah, the, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. If you have any faith in the U.S. government, yeah. fuck you. Literally. Literally, fuck you. If you're patriotic, boo. Boo. Who, who's patriotic anymore? Honestly, <laughs> Being an American nationalist is borderline being a racist. Oh, it's a it hot is. fucking take, I mean, like, but it's it's it it's is, really at that point. Correct. Um, <laughs> that is correct. You are like assisting in the systemic downfall of our entire country by supporting our country. Yeah. No. Like literally, I think one of the biggest things is just questioning like everything that you know about like this country. Because part of the reason that people are like, "Oh, this can't be possible," is because they just like genuinely don't believe that like this stuff has been going on for four hundred years, or they're like. They're like, oh, well, if we take down these statues, we should take down statues of George Washington because he owned slaves. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's let's start all over. Yeah. I don't know if that got caught from before, but Wyatt said, like, now is the time. Let's just burn it all down and start over. I honestly think that there's something to be said for that. I vote Wisnat for... uh, World leader. Yes. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would have so much dirt to deny. <laughs> right, though? You don't even know. No, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Um, all right. I think we've, we've had a, a beautiful conversation. I'm yes. down to start wrapping it up. Yes. Um, Hannah, it has been a pleasure. It has been so amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. I am, you know, eternally apologetic for the fact that I lost some of our audio. Oh, it's okay. But I think we Make had sure. a beautiful conversation. I hope that you think we shed your story in a good light. I certainly think we did. Yes. Um, anything that you want to share with the people? Um, any final thoughts or final words? Yes. Can I plug some organizations? Dude, plug everything you want. Okay. Plug your own Instagram as well. One sec. I got to uh, yeah. hold them up. No, do anything. Um, I truly have had a really nice conversation. No, this has been really great, despite the fact that we're both drenched in sweat. I'm sweaty as fuck. Yeah, so everybody, <laughs> we did record outside. I apologize for any, like, wind or cars or Spanish music coming from my neighbors or <laughs> anything you may have heard. But uh, I appreciate you making all the way through and putting up with that. And hopefully yes. any cuts I make because of my terrible technological error, you won't even notice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have some pl- organizations I want to plug. Please. To follow, to donate to. Um, there's National Bailout, um, who help bail people out that have been incarcerated. Um, Free Them All 2020, which is the same thing. And I also, um, a friend of mine from school started this thing called the Anti-Racist Book Exchange, which is basically you just email and we'll send you a book um, that helps dismantle racism, hopefully, um, for free. So For free? For free, because we're, we're relying on donations. So if you can donate to, that would be great. Um, and we're also buying the books from black-owned bookstores, so check it out. It's completely beautiful. It's sick. I'm really, I'm really, I think, I hope that this momentum in the moment continues, because I think that we have amazing stuff going on right now. I will admit, 
I have low faith for like the success rate of what's going on. Yeah. Just because I think like we have to kill all the old people. <laughs> That's what I think. Like, I mean, it's really hard to end racism if all these old racist people still exist uh, with money. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, with money. money. Um, but I really, really like. I put out as many positive vibes as I can. I, yeah. I really hope to see some change. Me We've too. already seen some. Minneapolis so disbanded their entire police it's force. That's a huge fucking deal. Yeah. So I really hope that. Keep uh, it coming. Yeah, the positivity continues. Yes, me too. Um, I was going to say something else. I don't remember. Any, any just positive words in addition to those uh, causes that you want to share? Um, yes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Keep up the fight. You know, Get involved and stay involved, I think. And I think that I think that our generation can make a huge difference and really make the world a better place. Um, yeah. Thank you, Xavier. Thanks, of course. <laughs> Here, shout out your on Instagram, please. Oh, we yes. already did, but say it Big again. Bigfoot's baby mama. Easy to search. Easy to search. Mama, M-A-M-A. <laughs> um, Hannah, I'm beyond proud of the support that you, like, apply in your life to any person of underprivileged that you can, women, people with special needs, children, people of all colors. It, it, it's really inspiring. And although I'm not like a huge activist for most things, like I just really value seeing your voice. I, I see your posts on Facebook. I, I see your posts on Instagram. I remember you leaving Washington and I remember being like, she probably knows what's good for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think you have a really good head on your shoulders. Um, I'm really thankful that you came on to talk. I Thank think it was a cool you. story to share. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again guys if you made it this far thank you I appreciate it I love you um, play your fucking part our country is falling apart let's build it up in a better way you know than, than when we got yes. here um, thanks for listening talk to you guys next week bye yay